Government. We all know it's important to understand, be it state, local, or national, but doesn't the thought of it just make you want to, well, drink? If so, you're in the right place. I'm Angel Romero, your politics and pints aficionado, and this is Ballots and Brews, where we'll talk all things local beer while also diving into what in the world is happening at the local, state, and national government and what you can do about it. It's Schoolhouse Rocks meets the Daily Show meets C-SPAN, so let's get this show started. Hey, good evening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Ballots and Brews, our first one of the new year, our first one of 2022. We are so excited to be with you tonight and, of course, have a lot uh, to talk about. So not only is it a new year, the legislature is back in session. Despite our best efforts, they do keep coming back. So we're going <laughs> to talk to them uh, tonight and talk about what's going on uh, downtown, um, as well as, of course, the latest happening in local government as well. Uh, but as as always, we are going to start like we always do with beer. Uh, so tonight we are actually excited to once again welcome back uh, the the founder, the creator of all that is 785 Live Radio and 785 Magazine, the whole 785 family, if you will. Carice uh, Mapes. Carice, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, I love that. You're like, they just keep coming back. Right. It's, it's like the glitter of the craft world. Like you can't get rid of it once it gets on. Yeah, you know. it's so true. Like it's like it's like glitter that's like written in the Constitution, like that. Right, right. Like, <laughs> hi, you're stuck with us. Right. You know? Like, oh, good, you're here. Yeah. It's a terrible. It's a terrible, you know, family event or something. Right. <laughs> I put I put all the, I put all the nice china away. Like, right, like yeah. This is why we don't have nice things. Right. So exactly. Oh my goodness, Chris, did you have a good New Year? You know, I did. Um, it, it was really low key. Um, I. I helped out uh with the vinewood the historic vinewood over here at lake shawnee oh, yeah. they had an event and so i got to help uh kind of greet and seat people and then just went to a friend's house and and laid low and you know still kept it really quiet i mean obviously there's still lots of things going right. around and, um so no no huge blowouts like <laughs> in the past but it was nice yeah absolutely yeah as i got to spend time with my my family and kind of just keep it low-key play play lots of games and so i had yeah. Yeah. Had, a, had a good time. So I know I, I have a feeling like this is just us saving up all of our energy for next year. Like New Year's 2023, it's just going to be a blowout. That's what I'm right, just going to go right. with right now. Um, I, I, I should share. I thought it was kind of fun. So um, this, this small group that I hung out with, um, a few of them are from... Um, the poet stoic and full, which is another show that's on Tuesday nights, um, here on KSCF. And so they ask like seven quote unquote deadly questions, you know, each um, (laughs) of their shows. So they have kept all these questions that people have sent them or (laughs) even like Shannon Riley and uh, friends, you know, I'm sitting. So he has these baskets of these questions. And so we actually just ask questions, um, (laughs) of each other. And, uh, it was, it was pretty interesting. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Well, you know, as we think about the new year ahead, of course, we are always all about promoting all things local. We thought we would visit with Chris about, you know, we're all making New Year's resolutions and thinking about things we want to take on in the new year. So we asked Chris to, to share with us some of her new beers resolutions. And so these would be her her uh, her list, her uh, best recommendations for local places uh, to try for uh, beers in town if you haven't been before. So I'm going to turn it over to, to Chris to share her, her wisdom with us for, her, <laughs> yeah. for the year ahead. Well, let me have a sip real quick. Right. You know, right? Um, you know I, I thought about this. I thought it was a really great Great question. And so uh, a couple things. One, I thought about where beers might be going this year. Um, And, you know, while IPAs remain kind of the most popular style, uh, like for me, let's be honest, like it's a bit hard to like be blown away anymore (laughs) by an IPA. And so I I think we're going to see a lot of breweries um, and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, here locally too, um, kind of stepping back and maybe paying more focus to some of the, uh, given some lager love, let's put it that way, which is a wide category, but focusing on those amber and brown ales, um, kind of even a, a throwback some to the popular 80s, you know, first generation kind of craft beers. Oh, yeah. uh, so, you know, your English style pale ales, um, you know, your, um, let's, you know, fly beers, got, you know, your light lagers, pilsners, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm over 
the hard seltzers. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not interested. I don't, I mean, I like How the, dare you? I know. I'm sorry. I, the ready to drink cocktails. Like, listen, I can, <laughs> I can mix two things in a glass. Like I don't need you either. Um, if I want, you know, my kombucha tea, I'm going to get my, this is just me. Right. Okay? I think we're still going to see more, but I'm hoping that we don't see that much locally. Um, I do think that, uh, we'll see, um, a trend, you know, a, still more towards as local, um, ingredient wise as we can, whether mm. that's even, you know, um, using American malt, which I know there, you know, some breweries are kind of looking at and trying to do, uh, but things that don't disrupt that supply chain as much no, that, sure. you know, we saw a lot of. Um, and then I also think that this is just kind of a trend overall, but, uh, I'm going to be looking forward here, you know, especially to our local, six, if you will, powerhouse, you know, breweries, um, is that, you know, people are passionate about beer, but also, um, I think that we're going to see a lot of, uh, support, uh, supporting local with a purpose. So, Mm. you know, beers with purpose, right? Like I think of the Sam Adams love conquers all, you know, can things that, you know, really help, um, you know, show that they're being diverse and equitable and inclusive, um, and how, how breweries can do that. And so, um, you know, I think that those will be trends and stuff. When I talk about the six breweries, I just thought, you know, reminder, or I I think I say six, hopefully (laughs) I'm not missing anybody that, you know, there's happy Bassett, iron rail, you know, Brubank, Norseman, Blind Tiger, which let it all. Yeah. Um, and then Barristers, yeah. right? Yep. I think I've got it. That's perfect. So, yeah. Um, for this year, you know, I definitely ha- Happy Bassett has a lot of rotating beers. So I'm going to, you know, be trying to get out of my comfort zone and try different ones. Um, I took one class at Brewbank last year. That's on my list to do another really oh, yeah. awesome um, classes they have. At Norseman, I think they do a really nice job with their flights. I always recommend somebody getting a flight mm. out down at Norseman. Um, the Blind Tiger anything and everything that John does is amazing. And so, you know, trying to to get down there at least once a quarter. Um, And then I'm going to keep my eye out for, you know, the today's docket stuff at Barristers. Um, Hopefully they'll have that Girl Scout Caramel Delight Mm, beer and cooking again. Um, So those are kind of things on my list to, to look for and watch. And then also three beer events that you can go ahead and put in your calendar now. Um, One is Iron Rail Brewery on March 3rd is doing an Irish beer dinner. Oh, wow. And so, and we'll see a lot. I mean, we've, we're seeing a lot more of these dinners yeah. and pairings and stuff. And, um, and I will say, I really like the exploration, um, that beers have with food and, and where people are going. It's not like, oh, well, if it's chicken, you're drinking white wine, right. and, you know, <laughs> you know, really kind of, you know, this complex flavor profiles, um, in Noto on September 24th, they're doing a new thing called Art Cakes and Beer. And it's an all you can eat pancake feed and favorite fall beers. Huh. Totally new. That's cool. Yeah, that you heard it here first. So that's the 24th. <laughs> and then um, mark your calendar for Tap That Topeka, which will be June 11th. Absolutely. This year. Oh my so. goodness, can't wait. <laughs> so yeah, those are got um, you know, those and then ask for kind of restaurants and stuff. Um you know, beer goes, it goes with anything, Angel. Right, um, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, just some, I I haven't been down to um, Fidelis Steak and Pasta Osiris yet. Oh, yeah. Have you been at, Have you been there yet? I, I have not, actually. I, I need, need to. I need to. Um, one interesting thing I didn't realize is that they're not open for lunch. Oh, okay. So they're open for breakfast, 6.30 to 10.30 a.m., and then they reopen at 3 p.m. for dinner. Gotcha. Um, and so I want to go down there and try that. But um, gosh, Young's Thai Chicken, the burger stand's always amazing. Line Q's, Sheyazu, four guys, you know. Yuki Restaurant in Japan has some really interesting beers too. Oh, you can okay. go if you're looking for a sushi. Um, so, you know, just kind of keeping things local and, and making sure to try different stuff and and not order the the normal, for me, the normal IPA. 
That's my, my beer goals for 2022. Hey, I like it. Well, hey, even with all those places, even if you've been to places before, like Happy Bassett, you know, Happy Bassett has their new location. So if you haven't looked at right. the Barrel House out over on the, the east side of town, um, over there in the southeast part of town, I encourage you guys to, to check that out as well. And of course, root banks always change out their taps um, all the time. And so there's always, you know, there's a lot of these places, even if you've been to, um, you know, they're always doing new and different things, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think that's something that especially this past year and a half, two years or whatever, uh, you know, I I found myself getting into this. Okay, I know I like this. So this is what we're going to get. Yeah. You know, go pick up this growler. And instead, I really want to try this year to go completely opposite and, you know, not get the um you know that the ipa you know right. that i that i know i like and i can get you know there and other places as well but you know do more of the you know what's on tap or like i said the barristers brewing you know what's on today's docket and going yep okay that's what i'll have right surprise right, me right. You know? uh what's the worst it could be Exactly. I mean, it's all good beer. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so. I should. That's I, I need to broaden my heart. I need to like. I need to actually like drink a beer this year that I can't see through. That should probably be my resolution this year. Oh, that's it's, a good Embrace one. the darker side of it because usually like porters and all that stuff are usually just not my thing. Like very rarely do I find get really picky. So I just need to. I just need to try some more. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it just depends obviously on what uh, like anything, but what you're in the mood for. But right. uh, you know, it's also way you approach beer you know i mean i drink it differently than i did when i used to put limes like a lime slice in my beer you know you were so fancy i so fancy (laughs) right and um and i would get it as a headache i mean i can't tell you the last time i ordered a headache (laughs) right do we even have headaches anymore Uh, so like you know what i think of those darker you know lagers like you said something you can't see through you know you might just have one Exactly. You know, and, and it might be all you need. Right. It might also be $12. Who knows? Right. But that's okay because you can enjoy um, and and really, you know, kind of experience what that brewmaster was and is trying to tell you and share with you with those those flavors. So absolutely. Well, for those folks out there listening, if you are out and about and trying out uh, new places or new beers this year, feel free to let us know on social media. Feel free to hit us up on, on Twitter, Facebook and tag us and, and let us know what you're trying. We always love seeing people get out to explore their city and expanding their taste buds and maybe we'll run into each other along the way. Uh, Chris, thanks, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Of course, it's always a pleasure, Angel. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And for folks out there listening, go ahead and stay tuned. Right after this break, we will be back with our beer flight of the night, where we'll talk all things, uh, recap of the legislature and the state of the state address, and much, much more. We'll talk to you soon right after the break. You are listening to Ballots and Brews here on KSF 785 Live Radio. Seven eight five magazine is proud to present KSEF Digital Radio, Topeka, Kansas. That's the thing you're listening to right now, and we're celebrating everything local and everything Topeka. Learn more at seven eight five live.com and thanks for tuning in. All right, folks, it is now time for our first beer flight of 2022, where we cover the latest happenings in local and state government. And we're going to get things started off tonight with the Topeka City Council and the High Flying IPA. Uh, This beer is named in honor of the $19 million uh, that both of Topeka's airports are receiving in COVID relief dollars. Uh, The airport briefed uh, city council members on their plans for the money on Tuesday evening. Uh, This story also allows me to do two things real quick. Uh, one, I get to give a shout out to the now sadly departed Aeroplane Brewing Company in Wichita, which made some pretty tasty beers, if you ever got a chance to try them. Um, they're now closed, so you can pour one out for them. Uh, but I do think that actually someone else um, was going to be bringing some of their beers back, so you can be on the lookout for them. It was good stuff. Uh, the other thing is a fun fact. Yours truly here, in addition to being a nerd about all things government, um, is also a huge aviation nerd. Uh, so this story was right up my alley. Uh, so back to the details. Eric Johnson, president of the Metropolitan Topeka Airport Authority, which is the body that oversees both airports in Topeka, uh, gave council members a rundown of what these dollars will do, which is quite a lot. Um, it's going to allow them to totally redo the terminal out at Billard Airport, our smaller airport, more general aviation aircraft out there, um, and out at Topeka Regional Airport, a.k.a. Forbes Field, for those that have been around for a while. Uh, they're going to replace 
it's the passenger boarding bridge out at uh, Topeka Regional. They're going to expand the departure lounge in the terminal, uh, make lots of other um, improvements to the airport out there. Um, by the way, if you didn't know, the MTAA does receive taxpayer dollars through a property tax mill levy, um, and the members of its board are made up of citizens. So there are two uh, folks on the MTAA that are appointed by the Shawnee County Commission and three appointed by the City Council. So just saying, if aviation is your jam, you too can serve on the MTAA board. Um, now, while the council was talking about the airport, they did take advantage of the opportunity to also talk about the possibility of recruiting airline service to Topeka, uh, which has been a topic of discussion for as long as I've been here. Uh, just a few years ago, we actually were successful um, in recruiting uh, United Airlines. It goes back in 2014 uh, to have flights from Topeka to Chicago, which sadly lasted all of eight months. But, and I still maintain to this day, they started it in January of that year, which was like the worst possible time of year because I don't know if you looked around in January, typically in Kansas, but it's kind of like a frozen hellscape. And so that's when they decided to start it. And it was a, a particularly harsh winter that year, I remember. So they had lots of flights canceled. Um, so personally, I don't really think United gave them that fair of a chance, but that's just me. Uh, Mr. Johnson did indicate that the airport is still actively interested in pursuing airline service, though. So stay tuned. You might be able to jet off to a location from uh, Topeka not too and not uh, too uh, too far away. Uh, up next on our beer flight is the city manager Pale Ale. Uh, with the departure of city manager Brent Trout, we've got to go out and find ourselves a new city manager. Uh, but first, to quote the legendary British pop stars, the Spice Girls, we have to figure out what we want, what we really, really want. You're welcome for that reference that you didn't know you needed tonight. Uh, on Tuesday night, the council reviewed uh, the parameters uh, for their search, um, specifically the scope of work for the search firm that is going to be looking for the new city manager. Uh, Y'all remember, this is a whole thing. So in order to go out and find the city manager, we first have to find the company that's going to find the city manager. So that's what we're doing right now is the city council is trying to, uh, is reviewing the documents that's going to help identify the search firm that is then going to help find the city manager with me so far okay cool uh, so like uh the last time they had this discussion the city council is pretty hopeful that they can find a search firm here in topeka uh, that can help do this search and so as they're reviewing the scope of work for the search firm they wanted to make sure that um, it made it possible that the scope made it possible for a local firm to really apply to be the firm uh, to do the search um, so there was a lot of their conversation about that you know they wanted to make sure that uh, the scope of work indicated that the person that could be hired by the firm uh, as the eventual city manager could be someone who's been in city government or someone that comes from a business community, a business background. That was something they felt was important as well. Um, important to note to the tentative time frame for all of this um, is to have a recruitment firm selected by the end of February. That firm would come to the city in March um, or if they're here, they would just meet with the city council already um, to find out more about what the council is looking for in a city manager to really kind of define that that search. Um, and then over the next couple months, from March through June, the search firm would spend that time uh, recruiting candidates. Um, and then in June, uh, the search firm would uh, present candidates for consideration. Those candidates would get interviewed by the city council, um, as well as have public meetings. So that's a key date to lock in your head there in June. Hopefully there should be some time in there for uh, members of the public to meet the candidates for city manager. Um, and then by the end of June, um, we could have the selection of a new city manager manager made. So that's kind of tentative time frame, um, at least uh, right now. Like I said before, this is a whole thing. Um, so there's no action taken um, at the meeting on Tuesday night. It does look like at next week's uh, meeting on that agenda, um, they do have on there to approve the scope of work for the search firm so that they can then start looking for the search for firm and kick off the process. Uh, our next beer on tonight's beer flight is the County Commission Sour. We picked a sour because sour is the only word we could come up with to describe the County Commission's Monday meeting, where they heard from Shawnee County Health Officer Dr. Aaron Locke about the current surge in COVID cases in Shawnee County and received her recommendations on how the county should respond. 
Now, for anyone that's been paying attention, you know that we've been breaking records for COVID cases in this county like Michael Phelps at a kid's swim meet. In fact, today, being Thursday, it was new health dashboard day, and today our cases now top 2,000 cases in Shawnee County. Um, Actually, ironically, the number of cases in the county um, in this last week was 2020. So I guess everything really does come full circle, ironically. Um, Overall, case positivity in the county is at 25.7%. And remember, as Derek from the health department mentioned on here before, once the percent positive low gets to those high amounts, it's really an indicator that there's actually even more positive people out there um, than we're really able to test at the moment. And of course, we all know what the weight is for testing nowadays. Um, I think it was easier to get a Beanie Baby in 1996 than it is to find a COVID test appointment um, that you could get to in less than two days in a county. Alarmingly, the incidence of kids getting sick, particularly those who can't get the vaccine, is also increasing. Uh, we started to see some school districts across the state have to close school districts simply because they ran out of people to work. Uh, we, in fact, actually, the State Board of Education this week lowered the requirements for substitutes to basically anyone that's graduated high school with a high school diploma and is over the age of 18 uh, because they need substitutes. They need people in their schools um, in a bad, bad way. Uh, Some counties, um, including other populous counties like Douglas and Johnson, have moved to reinstate mask mandates temporarily. Uh, They even told people they had to wear masks at the KU game recently. I know how much you people uh, love your your sports ball, uh, but they told them they even had to wear masks at that game. It's against the backdrop of all this uh, that Monday's county commission meeting happened. Uh, the commissioners heard from officials from both hospitals. They heard from KU. They heard how KU St. Francis has canceled all their elective surgeries because of the patient load at their hospital. They heard from Storma about lack of resources, such as monoclonal antibodies to treat patients. They heard from both hospitals about swamped emergency rooms. And they heard from Dr. Locke that we're still not at the peak of this yet, despite all of that. All of this news, by the way, was being delivered to a county commission where one of the commissioners, Kevin Cook, had to attend the meeting virtually because he was running a fever. And yet, when Dr. Locke made the ask of the commission to put in a temporary mask mandate for Shawnee County, she was shut down two to one, with Kevin Cook being the lone yes vote. Uh, Commissioner Ripon, in response, uh, talked about the importance of herd immunity, a strategy where you essentially just let everyone get sick in hopes to stop the virus, Uh, a strategy that wholly ignores the scores of people in our community with chronic health conditions, many of which people are born with and potentially sentences those people to severe illness or death. Uh, He also referenced information saying that, quote, masks don't work, which Dr. Locke was quick to correct by referencing the fact that there is some concern over cloth masks, but that any mask is better than nothing, and it is possible for people to layer or double up their masks to provide additional layers of protection, especially if a cloth mask is worn over a surgical mask or an N95 mask. The gist of the meeting was really summed up by this quote from Commissioner Aaron Mays, which was picked up by the Topeka Capital Journal, uh, where he stated, quote, I would make my recommendation that citizens of Shawnee County do what you can to not get COVID. And that advice again was, I would make my recommendation that citizens of Shawnee County do what you can to not get COVID. So there you have it. Our official strategy is pretty please try not to catch COVID. No, seriously, please try. In fairness to the commissioners, there was concern expressed that if we enacted a mask mandate, the county could be sued. Um, And that is due to the genius, of course, of our state legislature, who you'll recall last year, made it possible for any person who felt aggrieved by a health order to be able to bring a lawsuit against the county. So as angry as I might be with the county commission, I'm actually angrier with the state legislature, who, despite claiming to be for local decision-making authority, has tied the hands of many local governments with this legislation. And folks, when we say that elections have consequences, there can be no clearer illustration than what we're facing right now. Until this pandemic, many people had no idea who their county commissioners even were or the fact that they act as the Board of Health in these type of situations. Who you pick for these spots matters, and it matters a lot. Uh, For the record, the next election for a county commission seat is actually this fall, and it is Commissioner Ripon's seat that is open. In the meantime, all you smart people out there, um, some of the things that you can do, as I'm sure many of you have already been doing, following the best advice of medical professionals and wearing your mask, limiting your large social gatherings, washing your hands, 
etc. While our county government may not have active responsibility, we can certainly choose to do so ourselves. And finally, of course, we have to end our beer flight with the state of the state wheat. Uh, Governor Kelly gave her fourth state of the state address Tuesday night live and in person at the state house. Uh, much like the state of the union, there is a lot of theater that goes into this speech. Uh, for the governor's party, it's a lot like a Catholic church service. There's lots of standing up and sitting down to raucously cheer your person on. And for an opposition party, it's a good chance to sit back and enjoy your comfy chair and maybe have a snack or two. At least I'd have a snack. They don't do this speech until like 630 at night. So I'm just saying if I were there, I'd have like a box of goldfish or something to get me through. I'm not going to sit through the thing on an empty stomach. Anyway, uh, the speech was a chance for the governor to lay out their legislative agenda for the session. And Governor Kelly, of course, wasted no time. Uh, She touted the state's current budget surplus, uh, pointing out that it is the largest in 40 years um, and was done while also being able to fund schools and add $600 million to the state's rainy day fund. Uh, The economy and the pandemic dominate a lot of the governor's speech, and sometimes the two were combined. Uh, The governor announced her proposal for a one-time tax rebate to go out to any Kansan who filed taxes last year. Um, That rebate would be in the amount of $250 per person or $500 per couple. Um, So again, that would go out to any Kansan who filed a tax uh, tax return in 2021. And all I know is I can buy a lot of Chipotle burritos with $250. Uh, You also knew this was coming to she laid out her plan for axing the state sales tax on food. No actual X was involved at this time, unfortunately. Um, And she actually called on the legislature to get it done by Kansas Day, which is on January 29th. Uh, Importantly, she also asked for a clean bill, uh, meaning one not loaded up like a Christmas tree of all kinds of other um, asks and special interests. Uh, She also announced plans for a freeze on college tuition and, of course, called on the legislature once again to finally pass Medicaid expansion and pointed out that there is now a Kansas-shaped donut hole in the middle of the country as all of our surrounding states have now passed Medicaid expansion. Uh, By the way, in terms of clapping, I only watched a YouTube version of the speech, so my view of the Republican side of the chamber was pretty limited, but man, there was not a lot of bipartisan clapping going on that night. Uh, Besides the kind of customary recognizing of guests that happens at the beginning of the speech, there were really just a few moments um, where both sides uh, clapped during the speech. I think it happened once when the governor talked about fully funding the state water plan. So like, yay for water and irrigation and all that good stuff. Um, and then supporting teachers and law enforcement. That was the other one. The latter two there actually got a standing ovation um, from the whole chamber. So that was exciting. Um, but other than that, the governor ended her speech invoking the memory of Bob Dole and pleading for compromise and civility. Her end quote was a call to quote, be as good and as decent as the people who sent us here, which was nice. Uh, also, a side note, just uh, out of curiosity, instead of the customary water glass that was next to the podium, uh, she actually drank from a coffee cup uh, during a speech, which I thought was kind of interesting. And I have all kinds of questions now, like, was it just water in the cup? Was it coffee? Was it Irish coffee? Like, I have so many questions. And did someone get the cup for her afterwards? Like, is she one of those people that leaves her coffee mugs around the house? We all know those people we're talking about, right? It just has so many questions. Uh, For their part, the Republicans gave a response that was delivered by House Speaker Ron Reichman. Uh, They pointed out that for as much as the governor calls for repeal of the food sales tax, uh, she did veto a previous bill that was sent to her that would have reduced the state sales tax on food. Um, In addition to a number of other measures that were included um, in that bill. Uh, They also took issue with the governor's claim stance on economic issues, but pointing out the uh, vetoes that the governor has made on bills related to property tax reform and other tax measures. Uh, The Republican plan calls for responsibly ratcheting down the sales tax on food and other items, uh, emphasis on and other items. Um, So I think Republicans are all down with uh, getting rid of the sales tax on food. But while we're at it, while we're getting rid of taxes, I think they probably got a list of some other ones uh, they'd like to see go as well. Um, Talked about stabilizing capers. Actually, Derek Schmidt, the Republican candidate for governor, put out his plan, which calls for investing in capers to help keep that fund stable for state retirees, um, investing in mental health and not overspending one time federal dollars, which would be a a reference to the COVID relief money the state received. And there was lots of talk last year, last session about how we that money is one time money. It's temporary 
borrowing money. We can't count on it for the future. Um, and so a, a real insistence on wanting to be careful with those dollars. Um, they also include a reference in their speech to preserving a culture of life, which, of course, um, alludes to abortion and is a reminder that there will be a continued that, that there will be a constitutional amendment on the August primary ballot concerning abortion. More to come on that later. Uh, so there you have it, folks. I don't know if we're necessarily going to make Bob Dole proud this legislative session, but we're sure going to try. Um, it says, no law, as long as no one gets arrested this session, I'm willing to call it good. So that is our beer flight for tonight. So stay tuned. Up next, we have our interview with State Senator Brenda Dietrich. After the break, you're listening to Ballads and Brews here on KSS 785 Live Radio. 785 Magazine is proud to present KSEF Digital Radio, Topeka, Kansas. That's the thing you're listening to right now. And we're celebrating everything local and everything Topeka. Learn more at 785live.com. And thanks for tuning in. All right, everyone. Well, just as we talked about, it is hard to believe, but the Kansas legislature will be gathering into session to kick off the 2022 legislative session next Monday. Um, so, uh, of course, I know that you all have been waiting on pins and needles uh, for that day to come. And so we're excited over these next few weeks to get the chat with the members of Shawnee County's legislative uh, delegation. And we're going to begin today with State Senator Brenda Dietrich. Brenda, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Oh, gosh, my pleasure, Angel. It's always fun. Thank you. Absolutely. So, you know, we have to ask, and getting ready for the first day, is, is the first day of the legislature, is, is it a little bit like the first day of school? You get to see your friends again, you see what classes you have together, all that kind of stuff. It really is. <laughs> you haven't seen some of these folks since you gaveled out. For us, it was May 26th when we had Signy Die. And if they live on the western side of the state and we haven't been any meetings together in the off session, then, yeah, you haven't seen these folks for six months. And so it's kind of nice to see um, who gained weight, who lost weight, <laughs> who changed their hairstyle. For the men, it's like, well, who's got a beard now? Or right. You know, it's just, it is fun. And plus, just to catch up with folks and see, you know, what they've been doing for the last few months. And then takes you back to your superintendent days a little bit. <laughs> yeah. The good news is we don't have to change seats, you know, on right. the floor. So I get to sit in the same seat. It's kind of like going to church. I mean, that's my that's it's, my spot. I get to sit there. Exactly, exactly. Oh, that's funny. Well, and, and you know, as you think about the the start of the the session, you know, what are you looking forward to uh, personally? You know, accomplishing over the next couple months. Well, you know, we have an ending balance that's pretty significant this year. And when I came into the legislature in 2017, we were deficit spending. Right. So, I mean, our tax policy was unbalanced and we had to do a lot of work to get back to where we could just fund state services without sweeping uh, fees and, you know, cutting our budgets to the point where, you know, we just couldn't function. Sure. Um, so the fact that we have an ending balance means that we'll have an opportunity to make some good public policy regarding tax and that will be and how we fund our state agencies in this last session we weren't um, able to give our state employees a raise so i hope to be able to revisit that this year sure. there are things that we want to do for our seniors and our communities you know the senior population is increasing at a greater rate than um than other areas of our population in Kansas. Sure. And so there are things in our tax policy that um, are not conducive to keeping our retirees in Kansas. And oh, sure. I'm take a look at that. One of the things I'm on a, on the joint committee for pensions, benefits, and investments, which is primarily capers. Oh, okay. Here's a little fun fact for you. <laughs> We have 154,000 active CAPERS employees in Kansas between the ages of 17 and 92. Wow. Now, what do you think that 92-year-old does? I was going to say, that's what I was wondering. Like, I'm super curious now. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I know. But, but anyway, so CAPERS hasn't had a cost of living adjustment in 23 years. Wow. Uh, so we've already been approached by... Um, by the not the capers board of trustees but by state employees who are retired and living on capers wanting us to consider a cost of living adjustment so again that's a way maybe we can help our seniors and of course living in shawnee county we have a large number a large number of um, capers retirees here so i think that that will be something that we're going to need to take a look at but really tax policy and redistricting i want to make sure yeah. that that um, Shawnee County, that that our boundaries make sense and that our 
they're fairly constructed, no gerrymandering. So we want to take take a long, hard look at that. I've never experienced or been in the legislature when we've done redistricting. So yeah. I'll be paying pretty close attention to that, to maps and numbers and people. Luckily, in Shawnee County, you know, our, our population has not changed significantly. Sure. But the... But the the places that people live have. So in the 20th Senate district, I've only got a change of maybe a hundred residents, mm. but in the other two districts, Senate districts in Shawnee County, uh, it's in, you know, like 2000 to 4,000. Oh, wow. So those, that may have to be adjusted. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's an interesting point to you. People, and of course, when we talk about redistricting people, so many folks think of a federal government and Congress and things like that, but you know, we've got redistricting that's going to happen at, at all units of government. And there was actually some work. I know it's happened over the summer with some public uh, meetings and, and, and sessions that were held uh, kind of throughout the state to give people uh, the chance to give some input. So I know there'll be a lot of public input that you all will get to hear as well. Right. And we already have heard quite a bit. I've, I've attended a couple of the sessions that they had in August and September and listen to some of the concerns of the different communities. And, and uh, it's interesting. And I hope that we can meet the expectations of our residents on what they want to see, which sometimes it's possible. Sometimes it's not just because of where people live. Sure. The numbers that you need in a Senate district is 73,000. So uh, you have to make sure, you know, you've got a little bit of wiggle room, but you need to make sure you're pretty close to that 73,000. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Any, any kind of common themes that you heard from folks in that, in those, in those sessions, in those meetings? Yes. Mostly they wanted to be, if they needed to be combined with another County, because, you know, we've got rural counties that sure. have less than 7,000 residents and you need 70,000, 73,000 in a Senate district. They wanted to make sure that, um, who, whomever they're combined with makes sense. And they didn't want a County to be split in half of it all possible. Like oh, sure. for example, uh, Wabunsee County, I have four precincts in Wabunsee County. Um, Jeff Longbine, who lives in Emporia, has several precincts in Wabunsee County. Mm. And Kristen O'Shea, who's North Topeka area, has oh, wow. precincts in Wabunsee County. So Wabunsee County has three senators. Wow. Um, you know, they prefer to have one. But actually, in some respects, the fact that you have three senators that you can talk to that are focused on you. Yeah. That could be a good thing. Yeah, Absolutely. So mostly folks just don't want their neighborhoods divided oh, you know, sure. or, or a town split in half, like take a town like Carbondale yeah. or Perry uh, over in Douglas County. They just don't want to be split in half. They want towns to be kept whole. We've sure. heard that a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that makes total sense for sure. Well, you know, thank you. Of course, there's there's probably lots of, of tough things that we could think of ahead. But yeah, what would you anticipate will probably be the, the most difficult part of the, the, the upcoming session? So there are two things. One, we just talked about redistricting. Yeah. Because there are people that um, are going, well, in Johnson County, they're going to gain some seats oh, sure. in, in the House and Senate. And in Western Kansas, they're going to lose some seats. So that's going to be a very emotional decision. Sure. And it's going to be very difficult because you want to negotiate things to where people feel like there's a win-win at the end of the negotiations. And that's just not going to be possible. Sure. Because the Western side of our state has lost so much population and the Eastern side has gained so much. Yeah. The second thing will be the budget. The fact that we have an ending surplus <laughs> is a good problem to have. Right. But it also means that you're going to have a lot of special interest groups who want a piece of that. Right. $2 billion that's sitting out there. And I think it's just really important that we make decisions that are prudent and good for all Kansans and that we have an end, we need to have an ending balance because you don't know what the economy will look like in three years. You know, you don't want to go back to what it was like in 2017. Right. We were deficit spending. We couldn't pay our bills. We couldn't make our capers payments. I mean, it was awful. So we just don't ever want to go back there. So we have to protect some of those dollars for the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Who, who knows that? Who, who knows that there could be a, a global pandemic, for instance, that comes up. Who would have thunk it? Or maybe the never ending global pandemic. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole that's a whole other kind of challenge in and of itself. Yeah. So I think you're going to see some unusual budgeting, some uh, not unusual budgeting, but unusual bills come forward sure. to try and capture some of those uh, dollars that we have. And 
and there'll be a lot of consternation and a lot of discussion. Oh, I'm sure. Well, that I'm sure that, that'll just keep us all entertained. We're going to watch that KS Sledge hashtag uh, with great yeah. interest over the next couple months. <laughs> entertain, um, yes. <laughs> and, but see, we said we're not the ones there, so we're just <laughs> watching it on social media. So, well, and, and you know, thinking on some of those specific issues that are, are coming up. So, you know, there's a, a number of them. Uh, my, I have to start off with my favorite because this gave me my favorite photo op ever in the newspaper, which was uh, Governor Kelly talking about her uh, intention to ask the legislature to uh, axe the tax, complete with her photo op of her with said axe in the grocery store. It's still my favorite photo op that I've seen from like an official recently. Um, so, you know, can you, can you kind of explain for folks, you know, what's at stake when we talk about repealing the state sales tax on food? Uh, what are we talking about? And, and where do you think that issue is likely to go this term? It seems like something that's pretty, that's uh, supported with a pretty bipartisan uh, basis support. Yeah, you're not going to find anybody who doesn't agree that we need to reduce or eliminate sales tax on food. I think the only question is, do you do it in one fell swoop with that axe or do you do it intermittently and chop away at it a little bit at a time each year? It's going to cost us about $440 million to eliminate the sales tax on food at the state level. That doesn't mean that the cities and counties won't still have a sales tax on food, but for us, it would be about $440 million at the state level. So the question is, we have to be able to sustain that over time. So that's $440 million less in revenue every year from sure. this point going forward. So can we can we afford that? That's one of the questions. And sure. so that will be, and then you're also going to find people that anytime you have a tax bill, and this is that special interest piece I was talking about earlier, sure. somebody's going to want to attach another amendment to it Ah. Uh, and actually you'll probably see multiple amendments and so that 440 million dollars which sounded you know reasonable and oh yes let's reduce the sales tax on food (laughs) now all of a sudden we've got you know a one billion (laughs) dollar reduction in taxes added on to that with other bills other amendments that will come forward that's where things will get a little complicated because I think I think everybody agrees that our sales tax on food is way too high. It needs to be eliminated. But do you do it all at one time or incrementally? And do you keep it? You've heard Governor Kelly say this and other politicians say this. You you want a clean bill else attached to it. It's just sales tax on food, not, you know, other you know, property tax, which is another issue that people are very concerned about. Just keep it clean, sales tax on food. And I think it'll, it'll move through the legislature pretty handily. Sure. It will not if it's, if it's, um, you know, if you've taken your crayons and added other Christmas <laughs> ornaments to that Christmas tree. Absolutely. Yeah, we saw we, we saw that happen uh, happen last year as well. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, that makes a really attractive target for uh, yeah, taxing out all kinds of things. Oh, anytime you've just got you've got a tax bill, you can add any other tax amendment to it. Absolutely. Well, speaking of taxes, that's a good segue to this next question of the Taxpayer Bill of Rights is uh, something that's come up in the past and it's likely to come up again this year. Can you talk to folks about just what that is um, and what are the chances you uh, see that being adopted this year? So a Taxpayer Bill of Rights is something that kind of um, gained popularity in the 1990s, and it was uh, a way to limit a state's uh, ability to tax and spend. And so... At the time that it was um, being discussed in in many, many states, including Colorado, uh, it it kind of caught on as a, well, yes, because state spending is out of control and we need more efficiency and this is a way to force it. And so it does require a constitutional amendment and it would be uh, to, in whatever the formula is, to restrict the state's ability to Uh, spend additional tax dollars. And usually it's like two and a half percent growth. So each year your state budget can only grow two and a half percent. Anything beyond that would require voter uh, approval. So constitutional amendment takes, you know, two thirds vote. So I think there is a bill because I've heard a legislator say, I'm going to bring a bill forward to try and ask our 
Kansas residents to approve a taxpayer bill of rights. So Colorado right now is the only state that ever did get that constitutional amendment passed in the 1990s. Uh And it is no longer in effect because it constrains state spending so much, so severely Mm. that they couldn't fund education. They couldn't fund roads and bridges. Their roads were in extreme disrepair. They had to make so many significant cuts in their state agencies that they couldn't take care of children like uh, DCF, Department of Children and Families. They couldn't take care of seniors. They couldn't, they just, there just wasn't, I mean, unemployment benefits. Every agency lost so many employees that the government just couldn't function any longer. And the other, the other thing you have to remember, we talked about this a little bit earlier, you know, your state budget changes as your needs change. So as our population ages, we probably do need to take a look at, you know, the dollars that we spend on seniors, on um, long-term care, you know, um, on children's insurance, the SNAP program, the CHIP program. There's a, yeah. Those are all acronyms for things that we do to provide services to the underinsured and um, the poor. And so in Colorado, they they repealed their taxpayer bill of rights or suspended. I don't know if they repealed it, but they suspended it sure. just because it was killing the state. They just well, couldn't function. Sure. Well, it's so, interesting. You know, we, we just talked earlier about, the you know, having a having a surplus and, and thinking about what to do with that. And, you know, we're talking about the taxpayer bill of rights on the other hand, too. So it's kind of an interesting uh, mix of, of, uh, of policy and ideas there. Right. Because when you force a state to stop spending, whether it's because your tax policy has created that situation like it did in 2017, or you enact something like a taxpayer bill of rights, then you are forced to make deep spending cuts, which for those people who think we spend too much as it is, that's a good thing. Right. For those who have to provide services like to higher ed, to K-12, um, to our uh, Department of Transportation, you know, it's just, it, it, it's just an impossible situation. Absolutely. So, even though it sounds good. Right. Some unintended consequences. Right. Well, and speaking of things that, that sound good, you know, one of, of course, incentive for people to sound good this year is, I don't know if you've heard, 2022 is an election year uh, in this state. Uh, so, you know, of course, last year, uh, there, you know, in the wake of our national election, of course, there are lots of different um, election measures um, that were discussed and, and some that made it through um, the, the legislature. You know, do you think we're going to see any more election-related legislation this year as well? I suspect we will. Um, Scott Schwab, who's our current Secretary of State and who's in charge of our election process, uh, just sent out an update on what his 2022 legislative agenda would be. He does have three election-related statutes he'd like to have us consider. One, and, and they're not anything... I don't believe that are problematic. One is just enhancing how we do election audits. You know, you heard a lot of folks talk about we need a forensic audit. We need to audit all of our election commissioners offices. We need to make sure that there were no issues. And so we did. And we found absolutely um, no auditing issues other than in a couple places. And it was really having to do with the equipment, but not with um, voter fraud or anything like that. So um, so he's proposed to enhance our post-election audit laws, just putting in statute doing you know, how we do our post-election audits for presidential, federal, statewide and local races and making that a top priority for his his office. So, again, to ho- hopefully assuage some of the concerns that people had during our last election cycle. Sure, sure. And to bolster, you know, it bolsters the integrity Absolutely. of our election. So I think that's a good thing. The other he's got two other things. I'll mention uh, them very quickly. Voter roll maintenance. And that is when a local county election office tries to clean up their election, their voter rolls, like somebody might pass away or move or change addresses. And so trying to remove inactive voters from the voter registration list is pretty difficult. So he's looking to um, maybe I think what he's thinking perhaps is uh, increasing the process or or maybe increase isn't, isn't the right word, but um, try and uh, 
bolster the process sure. so that we are able to have a more robust voter roll maintenance process so that it doesn't take so long. It's not so bureaucratic. It's not so difficult. And then sure. the last thing is, which came up occasionally in other states, is the uh, question about whether or not any of our voting machines are attached to the Internet. And they're not. Oh, right. It's not in statute. And so he ah. wants to have something in statute that says all electronic poll books will be certified by the Secretary of State's office and meet specific security measures, which means they are not connected to the Internet. Gotcha. So, Let's go. I think that would people feel better. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, that's as I learned more about elections over the last couple of years, I think that was one of the things that I hadn't really thought of, but it was something that I thought was 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 uh, pretty cool to know was that, you know, there's actually efforts made so that those machines are connected to the internet. So yeah. even if someone wanted to hack an election, they really couldn't uh, in this state, which is good. Yeah. So those are the only three that I know of right now. There could be other things that didn't pass out last year that folks are wanting to, you know, because really in the legislature, I think you've heard this before a bill is never really dead. Right, right. You can always <laughs> come back. <laughs> always come back. So I'm I'm thinking that you're going to see some additional bills. Now, whether or not they make it to the floor and get debated and, you know, who knows. Sure. And that's the other thing. Crazy things can get through a committee. But that doesn't mean that it's going to become law. Sure. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, I think that's what happens, especially with social media now, how fast things spread. I think at the beginning of the session, we always hear about all these kinds of crazy things. And you're you're right about 80 to 90% of the really crazy stuff doesn't actually end up coming to fruition at the end. It it falls out somewhere in the process. That's exactly right. Well, speaking of things that that never die or never quite go away, uh, the last few years, of course, the legislature's really been grappling over the idea of Medicaid expansion. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, uh, you know, some of the players in, in, in those battles have changed a little bit with elections and resignations and that sort of thing and changes and that and that sort of thing in the chambers. So you know, where would you say that, that Medicaid expansion sits right now? Um, and, and where do you see where do you see that going in this next year? Well, that is a great question. You know, elections really do matter. And yeah. we have another election cycle coming up. Um, the point of of. Um, the barrier, the obstacles have been in the Senate all along. Sure. And um, right now, there are only 17 potential yes votes for Medicaid expansion in the Senate. You need 21. Mm. And folks will say, oh, but that's only three people. You can find those three people. <laughs> Believe me, it's not easy. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I've tried. Uh, so I honestly at this point in time don't see Medicaid expansion passing through the Senate next year. Sure. Um, the only way something like that might might happen is if there were some really intense negotiations going on with the governor's office. Sure. But I don't know that there's anything that the governor can offer that would change some of these people's these legislators' minds to make sure. them vote for or encourage them to vote for Medicaid expansion. So I just leadership is not in favor of it. I just don't see it. Coming and you use the term fruition. I don't see it coming <laughs> to fruition this next election, this next session. Sure. I mean, anything's possible, but I just don't see see it. Sure. Unless, unless the governor's office can negotiate um, with leadership, and I just don't know what they have to offer that would make them willing to to change their votes. Sure. Well, that's a, a note to those folks listening out there, you know, Medicaid expansion or any, you know, other issue is something that's it's important to you. You know, sometimes it does come down to a couple of votes and a couple of individuals. Yep. And so when we say elections matter, your vote matters, we absolutely need it because it comes to the rubber hits the road when it comes to, to issues like that. So that's a really great example of why, why elections are so important in, in the state. Exactly. Well, in our last issue specific question, of course, something I know that is near and dear to your heart in the world of education. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about uh, about education in various forms in this last year. Uh, you know, everything from, from critical race theory to books, books schools have in their libraries. Uh, there's been there's been lots of shouting. There's been lots of uh, lots of things, lots of discussion happening this last year. Uh, you know, do you do you foresee the legislature wading into to some of these conversations and some of these battles? And what do you what do you think that might look like? 
So I checked the legislature's website today for pre-filed bills in the Senate and the House, and there hasn't been anything filed yet. Sure. We've had legislators make comments in public, and it's been picked up by the media, that they are going to um, have a bill ready to ban critical race theory. Uh, We've also heard uh, other uh, comments about um, DEI, diversity, oh, sure. and inclusion. So um, I do expect in our committees, we've got the education committee in the House and the education committee in the Senate. I wouldn't be surprised if those bills didn't come through those committees sure. and have a hearing. And again, even if the bills pass out of committee and they then, you know, would go to the floor of the House, or the floor of the Senate. It would be up to leadership to determine whether or not that would be allowed to be debated by the whole chamber. Sure. So uh, this is kind of a stay tuned. I know I just had a phone call today from the Associated Press. They're doing an article on the very same thing. Do you think that there's going to be legislation that you're going to have to deal with this year on critical race theory or, you know, equity and inclusion and diversity? And I I, I think I would say yes. Sure. But I don't know that it's going to become law. I think as long as you can have a balanced debate, that's not a bad thing. Right. Absolutely. No, I, I do believe that critical race theory, as it's been defined, is not being taught in K-12. Sure. It's, not it's not a part of our curriculum. It's not part of the standards. It's really a higher education issue, but they're trying to link it to... Um, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion kinds of curriculum or offices in our school districts, and and I just think that's a that's a difficult connection to make, <laughs> right? Yeah. But that doesn't mean people don't try to make that connection. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, knowing all of that, that that will be going on over the next couple of months. So this being Balance and Brews, we, of course, have to ask after a long day of dealing with the people's business at the legislature. Yeah, what is your, your favorite drink to unwind with uh, at the end of a busy day? So, um it would probably be, this is very boring, I know, but <laughs> it would probably be just a, a nice, refreshing glass of wine. Oh, nice. It's probably my my favorite. There, you know. do, you, do, you have a, do you have a preference of red or white? I, I actually do Chardonnay more than I do red. Ah, there you, you know, go. Just very refreshing and light. And um, yeah, that's probably my my favorite. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I, I drank a lot of Chardonnay over the last couple of weeks for the holidays. So I, I totally get that. Well, and you know, I just got to think it. So of course, Celtic Fox is always a hopping place for legislators to go after such. I think that it's got some renovation work going on right now, though. Yes. And so I'm very curious to see what, what's going on in there. I was in there before the renovations began and it not not that much had changed. But I understand, if, you know, after looking at some pictures on Twitter, and Facebook. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good things going on there. I think downtown will take on some some good vibes. Absolutely. Next few months. And you know, as long as we stay healthy and <laughs> right. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be a, a session that won't have to be interrupted by anything. And and you know, when the legislature comes to town from all across Kansas, they bring sometimes they bring their families and their spouses and they oh, really okay. do invigorate the downtown. Oh sure. Yeah. Restaurants and um, it's just it's just really a good thing. And the spouses have a whole club. I don't know if you know this. Angel. Oh I did not that they have an organized spouses club in the um, House and in the Senate because uh, the men, a lot of the men bring their wives. And so, and they're retired and they don't sure. want to stay by themselves. And so they organize events and they take tours and they have speakers and oh. they've been to the Kansas History Museum. Um, they, yeah, they're, they're just all over town and and they spend their money and yeah. they eat in restaurants and they go to the library and yeah, they absolutely. just, I mean, they go shopping, they go yeah. down to the Prairie Glass and they're, they're, it's just a great opportunity to, to um, see Topeka. Absolutely. Absolutely. And communities. Sometimes they get in their cars and they they go to, you know, other small towns to to see what they have to offer. So that's it's a good thing. Topeka is a great place. Absolutely. Yeah. And to have a legislature come in and um, it's just it's just good for us. 
Absolutely. So those of you, those of you out there listening, if you see uh, any of those folks around town, make sure to be nice to them. Offer them a drink, all those kinds of things as you see them <laughs> out, out around town. Make sure that we're good hosts for, for all of our yeah. friends that will be here for our next Smile. couple months. Smile and be friendly. Smile and be friendly. Absolutely. Well, Brenda, thanks so much for, for hanging out with us tonight. You're welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to do it. Happy to talk to you anytime and come up to the Capitol and take a tour. Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. Well, for everyone out there listening, make sure to stay tuned. After the break, we will be back with our take action moment of the night to wrap things up. As always, you are listening to Ballads and Brews here on KSA 75 Live Radio. Alrighty, folks, we are wrapping things up tonight with our take action moment of the night. Uh, just a couple of things tonight. Uh, first, we've talked about how the federal government is going to make it rain about $45 million on the city of Topeka over the next couple of years uh, per the American Rescue Plan Act, uh, commonly known as ARPA. Um, now, the city gets to decide how they want to spend those dollars. Um, to do so, the city council is going to start that process uh, by actually hosting a workshop uh, this Saturday, the 15th, from 9 a.m. to to 1 p.m. Um, where they are going to decide on a process for how to spend those dollars. Uh, see how exciting local government is? You can spend a whole Saturday in a meeting. Uh, but for real, this is actually a good meeting to watch and pay attention to as you can because um, you can and you can actually do that either on uh, Public Access Channel 4 or on the City of Topeka's Facebook page where the meeting is going to be live streamed and you can watch the thing um, in its entirety. They aren't going to have any public comment at this meeting um, but they will um, have some at a later time, but this will be a good way to see um, kind of the mechanics of how this all comes together um, and to see the kind of the decision making that goes into how the city is going to allocate and spend uh, those dollars. That's quite a bit of money that we're talking about. Um, One-time money um, at that as well. Um, now that the Kansas legislature is in session, just some reminders about how you can keep up with all their shenanigans. So, of course, they do have a YouTube channel. Um, so you can just search Kansas legislature on YouTube. Um, you can keep up with all their committee meetings um, and floor sessions. You can watch them all live um, on their YouTube channel. Um, it's a lot like C-SPAN, um, but like a Midwest version of C-SPAN, so everyone is like super polite and stuff. Uh, the legislature's website itself um, is also a really good uh, resource. You can find the legislative calendar on there. You can find contact info uh, for your representatives, all that kind of thing. Um, so their, uh, their website is kslegislature.org. Um, again, another uh, really good uh, resource for finding information um, out on there. Um, if you're looking for a good free online resource that does some good in-depth reporting on the legislature, we highly recommend the Kansas Reflector. Um, you can check them out at kansasreflector.com. Um, that is actually a free uh, news, news uh, source that was started last year. It was started by several veteran journalists and state house reporters, and they provide some really excellent and again, free uh, content as well. Um, in terms of the social medias, of course, follow that KSLEDGE hashtag. That's hashtag KSLEG uh, to keep up with all the happenings um, in social media uh, or in legislature on social media. Um, that hashtag can be pretty hopping sometimes. Um, so it's a fun way to see um, the ins and outs of what's happening at the legislature. Um, also on Twitter, if you aren't following Loud Light, be sure to do so. That's at loud underscore light. Um, Davis Hammett and his crew do an amazing job of breaking down some of the really complex issues that happen in the legislature in a really fun and easy to follow kind of way. Um, and they are all over the place, uh, keeping track of things, advocating for things, all that kind of stuff. So you can follow them um, on uh, Twitter at, at loud underscore light. Uh, lots of really good stuff happening there. And folks, that is it for our show tonight. If you haven't already, uh, check us out on social media, on Facebook, just search for Ballots and Brews and on Twitter at, at Ballots Brews. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you you get your podcast leave us a review to show us some love on those platforms uh, until next week uh, please 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 stay safe stay healthy drink some good beer and we'll see you next week here on ballots and brews on ksf 785 live radio